Hi, and welcome back to the Writer Community Podcast. Today, we'll be joining host Megan and getting to know Esme Carmichael. Esme is an independent author based in Liverpool, UK. Her debut novel was published in January of 2021 after almost 10 years of writing. When not writing, Esme works full-time as an ocean scientist and is gradually working her way through her ever-growing TBR pile. Thank you so much for joining us again, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. So I'm currently working on a dark dystopian fantasy series called The Connection Series. And it's a four book series that starts with The End of Everything and also a prequel novella as well. And basically it's set in this beautiful yet very brutal new world, which is basically a mix of Viking Norway and Victorian London. And it's ruled by this very tyrannical dictator who for the last 100 and, um, 183 years, he's been searching for a woman called Alira because she's prophesied to destroy the world he created in a calamitous event called Ragnarok. And the Connection series follows the story of this woman who's literally running away from Mason and running for her life. But a few events happening and she starts to really consider why Mason is actually after her. Is she actually prophesied to destroy the world? Does he want to kill her? And it's thought of that mystery involving that as well. And the mystery is incredible. I remember when I kind of figured out what it was, it was just, yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> I loved it. And and Mason is the villain that you love to hate, definitely. <laughs> I know I've got some strong feelings for him. <laughs> yeah, he is something. <laughs> <laughs> And where, where did your inspiration come from for the Connection series? So I've always been quite fascinated by the idea of soulmates, not necessarily in a romantic sense, but just that there was somebody somewhere you were destined to form an emotional connection with. And a lot of the stories I'd read were very much focusing on that romantic element. And your destined soulmate was either an amazing person or it was somebody who had a redemption arc. But then I started thinking, well, what if your destined soulmate is just the most abominable person you could ever meet if he's just pure evil and there was no redemption arc and there was no possibility of love, but yet you were still destined to connect with them in some way. And yeah, how would that influence your actions towards them? How would that influence their actions towards you? And it, the story pretty much followed on from that as well. Yeah, I love that. I love it when, because um, obviously there's a lot of discussion around tropes and, and some people love them, some people hate them, but I love it when you can kind of take a like fresh new stance on a trope that that like everyone has done. So I think that's, um, I think it's great. And I, I, I love the soulmate trope as well. Um, and I just love that like inversion of it. Um, I think it's really, really original. Um, and I know you you started this book about ten years ago, didn't you? Um, how has it changed over the time that you've been you've been writing it? It's changed a lot. Yeah, when I first started writing it, um, even the characters were completely different. Um, Alira in the first book knew her destiny, knew what she was to Mason from the very beginning, and that was her whole sort of 
journey of acceptance, you know, trying to figure out what does she want in life, you know, that sort of thing. But as the series progressed and as the year, years progressed, I wanted to add a sense of mystery, you know, that she's been told one thing or made to believe one thing her entire life. And then that turns out, you know, not to be the whole truth. Also Mason as well. In the beginning, he was, yeah, it was a little bit nicer. And then as the years have progressed, he's just got worse and worse and worse. Um, so yeah, that was a big thing. Mostly the characters, to be honest, that's probably been the main thing which has changed over the 10 years, but also the sense of culture. Um, as I've developed as a writer, um, I've wanted to put a bit more culture, um, culture into my into the connection series. And that's where the whole herder aspect um, developed, you know, so Alira is a herder, um, which are a group of people who basically just wander the mountains very in tune with nature, which also fits very well with her perception of the world, it being very beautiful, but also very brutal as well. So there's been a lot of cultural changes um, and changes has probably been the main things. And um, where where did you get the inspiration for, for the world? And, and do you have any tips for writers really trying to, to kind of build a vivid world like you did? Because I just found the world was so familiar so different but just like I, I could just imagine being that I love the mountains so much and I could just like imagine being right there which I, I think is hard like worlds are hard to create to build something up from the ground up um you know how did you do that and and what tips do you have for other authors trying to do that so originally um I've always I've always wanted the new world to be very beautiful and because me personally I find sort of the arctic landscapes the um uh, the snow the mountains just the frigidness of the world really to be very beautiful and that's something which I wanted to um express through Alira and mostly from that it was a lot of documentaries. So David Attenborough, who's like one of my heroes, um, a lot of his Frozen Planet documentaries served as a big inspiration for that. And also places which I visited. So Alaska, Norway, especially. Um, I took photographs of everything, even the most tiny thing, like a random tree, for example, that just had half of its branches ripped off on one side because of the icy wind. I took about five pictures of that. And I remember my dad asking me, is like, look at this beautiful view here. Why are you taking pictures of a tree? You know, but it was just um, sort of that mental image, which I could then recreate when I knew that I would be writing about these trees in the frigid world, you know, so a lot of visual cues really from documentaries, but also the real world. I love that. And you're an ocean scientist as well. So did you kind of travel to these places with work as well? Did that have an influence on, on creating the world? Not this world, actually. So a lot of the places I've been through research have been more tropical climes. So those will come into play in future works um, in the future. But all of the stuff in the connection series was just based off um, documentaries but also places I visited with my parents when I was younger. Nice because you've got quite a few other kind of books in the work haven't you? Um, what will be the next book that you'll publish after the Connection series do you think? I've been thinking about this because I have about seven different current works in progress and I all love them equally so I actually don't know which I'll um, continue on. One, one thing I do want to make sure about, though, is that they're very different to the Connection series in the sense of 
I want to make sure their characters have a very distinct voice. So because I've been stuck in Alira's head for the past 10 years, I want to make sure that the next project, you know it's not Alira, it's somebody completely different. So probably that will maybe influence the decision of which I'll, what I'm going to publish at a later date. I must say I'm really excited for the one that you... Um you gave the teaser of last year with the the islands um, and that I could tell that was very tropical um, and the mystery surrounding that. So that's the only other one that I've read bits and bobs of though from, from your other whips, but that one looks so polar opposite. To, to the Connection series. Um, I'm, I'm excited for that one as well. I love that, yeah. That's got a lot of photographs from my research days, all the tropical islands. And I think I started that as well because it was just starting, it was NaNoWriMo, it's just gotten really wet and windy in the UK. And I'm just like, I, I need to be on a tropical island somewhere. I just, I need it in my life right now. And that's how that particular setting came to be. Oh my God, to be on a tropical island right now would be incredible. <laughs> with pina coladas yeah exactly oh i can't wait till lockdown is over and we can actually start traveling again um this is gonna completely date this podcast series now <laughs> people are gonna be like oh you know when this was recorded <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> sydney might even edit that bit out <laughs> so you write across several different genres don't you so obviously the the fantasy and paranormal romance etc um which is your favorite genre and why I really love fantasy and that covers all types of fantasy just because the possibilities are endless you know if you want to have an underwater world which has dragons living underwater who can breathe fire underwater you can create it in a fantasy world no matter how impossible it would be so I really like the unlimited imagination you can have with creating a fantasy world but in all of that though I love um, character arcs, character interactions so really for me I enjoy writing any sort of genre as long as you have that emotional connection with the character as long as you see their journey through the highs through the lows you know particularly with a character arc that sort of um, you know really strong connection to the character regardless of what genre or what world they're in that's something which really appeals to me and what I want to write about essentially yeah I think that's why um like young adult and romance are always very like fun to write especially for me because I'm the same I think having that emotional connection with the characters and feeling like you're there in their shoes experiencing what they're experiencing I think that's why it's such a they're such good genres to to write as well Um, and I agree with you I think fantasy reading fantasy kind of ruined me for writing anything else because as soon as I started trying to write like contemporary romance or historical romance I'm like oh why are there these limitations <laughs> why can't I just do what I want to do I want to you know I want to go and change this but you can't when you're kind of confined by the real world so um I think that's why uh, fantasy is so much fun to write definitely agree yeah I don't think as well I could do all the necessary research I would have to as well to create a historical even just a historical fantasy, you know, because history is is not really my forte. So all the research surrounding that would be quite difficult for me. So I just prefer to create a completely different world with its own rules and its own history. And then it's just a lot easier for me. But you definitely have historical elements in the end of everything as well, because it's got that like, 
you know, Victorian England kind of frozen in time element to it, which I really liked. You know, what I loved about that world was that everything feels so familiar while it being completely different. So it was quite easy to get into as opposed to some fantasy worlds where they're so different, you can end up getting a little bit confused and, and you know, you're having to learn everything again. But I love the familiarity, but the complete, you know, complete strangeness of it. Um, which, yeah, I thought that was such so well done. Um, and do you do you have any kind of key themes that you uh, tend to to write in your books that you focus on when you're writing in the end of everything and and in other books? This is actually quite a difficult question because the themes, specifically in the in the whole of the Connection series, change so drastically as the series progresses, as Alira herself develops as a character her motivations, her, you know, and the themes surrounding her do drastically change. So it's quite difficult for me to really um, single out the main theme in the Connection series, but a lot of the ones I do like to focus on is resilience. So, you know, I'm very guilty of putting my characters through the absolute worst situations available to them and you know writing how they deal with that essentially you know how they come out of that how they survive how they deal with it you know how they can look towards the future again um and a lot of that is present in the connection series especially not only Alira's own resilience to her destiny you know about being the destined end of the world but also the connections she makes with other people who she meets along the way. For example, Anya, who's one of my favorite side characters, is just such a beacon of light and hope to Alira throughout all the connection series and building on those friendships as well. You know, the solid connections you have with other people really is something I like to, I like to write about as well. Yeah, definitely. And talking about characters, if you could bring to life one character you've written across any of your works in progress, who would it be and why? If you'd asked me this question in January, I would have said Anya, without a shadow of a doubt. However, I've written the first in the prequel novellas called The Waltz of Walls, which focuses on one character you see in the end of everything, Campbell Anders, but also another one called Harrison Dagger, who's briefly mentioned in about five lines in the end of everything but this prequel novella focuses on their life of Harrison Dagger and Campbell Anders and Harrison has become really fast and um, really fast one of my favorite characters not just in the connection series but also all of the stories I've ever written and he's amazing and I just I need him in my life as a friend as a brother just I just need him there right now he is he's just amazing and I love him so much and it's just, I feel really quite sad in a way because his entire presence in the Connection series is destined to be really small. And now I kind of want to do an alternative universe which just focuses on his life just because he is amazing. And I love him so much. I love that. I can't wait to read that prequel as well. I love Campbell. I really love Campbell. So I'm really excited to read more of him and to, to find out more about Harrison. If he's become your favorite character of all, he must be pretty, pretty awesome. <laughs> oh, he is a babe, completely. <laughs> 
Um, so moving more into kind of uh, your writing and your writing process, etc. Um, what does your writing process look like? And, and obviously, like a lot of us, you, you work full time. Kind of how do you, you balance work and, and writing? Honestly, this is something which I'm still trying to figure out. Um, it very much depends on how my actual day job is going. If it's a regular day job situation, usually I wake up quite early in the morning, do some story editing in the morning, then have work and then do all my writing in the evening. And then the next day I edit what I've written, that sort of thing. But if I'm having quite a stressful time at work or if there's just a lot going on, I kind of abandon my writing completely and just focus on reading or just focus on, you know, a lot of self-care activities. Um, I don't, I try not to put a lot of pressure on myself with writing. Um, for example, writing goals, I don't really set. Um, normally my writing process is that I can write 8,000 words in a day and then I don't touch it for the next month. You know, so um, it's very much dependent on how I feel. I'm a very much a mood writer. And sometimes if I know the words aren't going to come, I just don't even try. I need to be in the right mood, basically. That's really good for people to hear though because there's a lot out there about you know just try and push yourself through give yourself a goal hold yourself accountable and, and for some people that really works I think we're quite similar I'm definitely a mood reader and at times I can definitely be a mood writer as well like if I'm not in the mood um I find it really hard and if I am in the mood I can do loads and I can just kind of like hide myself away and and write for ages but if you know if if the the desire isn't there and especially when work is is stressful I get that so much um if the desire isn't there then you can end up making yourself hate it almost by by forcing it too much and I think that's what, what's really nice about balancing reading and writing like I do use reading as an escape sometimes but still feel like I'm being productive because it's like well I'm not writing but I'm still reading um and that can be my escape from stresses and work and stuff because as much as we most of us would want to obviously be doing this full time for for most of us it's it's just not um uh, feasible or or actually you know it's something that's a hobby and maybe we don't want to make it into a full-time job because then it becomes well, not a hobby but you know what I mean it, it becomes something that is more stress than our escape so to speak exactly I completely agree with that and writing has always for me been very much a cathartic exercise it's been an anxiety or a stress release and honestly I've been thinking about this like whether I would want to go into writing full-time and I don't think I would simply because I'm so scared about my stress release becoming a cause of stress and I never want that to happen um so yeah yeah that's um I'm very um chilled I would say when it comes to my writing process it just depends what I'm feeling at the time but I completely agree as well with the reading and how you know reading a lot of books can still make you feel like you're making progress um, especially as writers you know a lot of our uh, writing comes from reading you know that's how we develop our skills so it's very much a um, um, it's very much a productive use of chill time really it's a productive self-care system which I really like yeah, me too. And I, I agree with you about being, I'm, I'm very on the fence. So I would love to, like, I always feel like I'm living two lives, the lives of like my work and, and obviously striving for that and the life of being a writer and obviously striving for that. Um, and I'm always on the fence about, you know, 
do I want to do this full time? Like you said, do I want to make it a a job where it becomes a cause of stress as opposed to a stress relief? And I think it's different for every person. But I think it's, you know, anyone listening who also feels this, I think it's so valid to want this to be a you know a part-time thing you don't have to to be a writer you don't have to want to be a writer full-time you don't have to want to give up your job to you know to, to carry on writing it can be something that is just there completely for you um outside of all the other work stresses you know you can be more than one thing you don't just have to be a writer you can be a, a dancer and a writer a scientist and a writer you know it doesn't have to be all or nothing and I think some people feel like oh, I'm not a real writer because I'm not doing it full-time I'm not being paid for it and and that's so not true it's like for some people it's it's not the path they want to take doing it full-time and I think that's still really really valid even though it's not always talked about as much I don't think yeah most definitely and I think as well like there's a lot of um there's a lot of almost self-criticism that you know you can only be a real writer if you write I don't know 10 books in a year or something like that whereas that's not the case at all you know if you have a story in your head if you're currently writing even if you don't plan to publish if you've just written a short story simply for your own enjoyment you are still a writer regardless where in the process you are and how many books you have or even have not written you know I've got a hundred percent and also um that that advice that you have to write every single day you know I know so many people that get really caught up I'm not I'm not doing enough because I'm not writing every single day and and you you really don't have to you know it's not it's not part of the prerequisite it's writing regularly and 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 knowing what your process is but I remember when I was doing NaNoWriMo I hit the 50k but I hit the 50k by doing um like 7,000 words on a Saturday and just kind of doing it then and I didn't write for the rest of the week because it just wasn't working for me at the time um I also hate the word aspiring writer as well aspiring author great aspiring writer no if you're writing you're a writer you don't have to aspire to be anything you just put the pen to paper and you're writing <laughs> so some people are like oh I'm an aspiring writer and I know you're already a writer so you're like almost like don't put yourself down like lift yourself up you are a writer and maybe you're an aspiring author or maybe you're not maybe you're just writing for yourself and that that's okay Absolutely. Yeah. And it doesn't just because as well, you, you don't uh, want to publish your novels for the world to see. It doesn't make them any less valid, you know, definitely 100 um, percent. And what's the best piece of writing advice anyone's ever given you? And, and, you know, what's helped you the most on your journey? One really technical aspect of writing. So I'm very um, I love a lot of descriptions as particularly world descriptions and in the first draft I go on it hard you know like it is two pages worth of a glacier description which is great in the first instance but you know how many times can you really describe the shades of blue you know so um one of the best pieces of, of advice I've received um was from one of my beta readers who said I was too telly um and to go through all of the document and look at it was or there was in all of the document and see if you can change it. Take out those was statements and see if you can make it a little bit more active. And that two page worth of a glacier description got shrunk down to like a paragraph. And it was, yeah, that's, that's from a technical point of view, that was probably one of the best pieces of writing advice I've received. And on the other hand as well, just literally write, you know, just let go with the writing process. Don't think you have to write towards a goal 
or that what your first draft is going to be, you know, it has to be amazing. Just put the words down on paper and see what goes from there, you know. I remember getting that piece of advice. It wasn't even that long ago. I think it was Kat who, um, who gave me that advice. And it absolutely revolutionized just the, the kind of my sentences and tightening up everything. I just did like a control alt, like F, control F, and just looked up every was and then just like found a way to say the sentence by taking it out. And oh my gosh, I think I messaged her about five times that day being like, this is so great. Why didn't I know this before? <laughs> this is amazing advice. <laughs> it was yeah I agree with you that that has been revolutionary for me as well um I I yeah I think it's you know when when you're writing a first draft though I think it's really hard to worry about all those kind of I mean we were, we were talking about first drafts recently weren't we on Instagram um and all of these pieces of advice are so great but they're not always necessarily what you would put in a first draft in the first draft you just as you say you just write you get it down um you do two pages of glacier description perfect and then when you come to let's like, win revisions when it comes in so if you're you're sitting here and you're thinking oh my gosh I've just written a load of wases in my first draft that's absolutely fine that's completely normal it's just something you can put down on your list for for when you come to revise and, and edit because that's where I found it's been the most helpful definitely yeah and it's easier to change a sentence that's already definitely written. can't edit a blank page <laughs> which was the first piece of writing advice I was ever given and it sounds silly but that blew my mind like I was like yes <laughs> you can't edit a blank page why hadn't I thought of that <laughs> I did um, an exercise um, I can't remember where it, where it was it was some I think it was in school and our teacher said to us just write for five minutes it doesn't have to be a story it doesn't have it just can be a jumble of words just write what's ever in your head for five minutes and so we all did that you know the class was writing and then all of a sudden the bell rang, you know, because we'd gotten in, in, we'd gotten into this zone of writing and we didn't even realize that the time had passed. And yet we'd written about five pages worth of five minutes, you know, of writing. And that, that as well is also, um, you know, a really good piece of advice. If you're struggling with writing, just write anything and see what happens. Definitely. Know? Journaling's kind of like that, isn't it? You just write, you just download your thoughts from your brain um, into a journal. I know for some writers, they do little exercises before they start like that, where it's like a prompt, like it could be something really simple, like um, um, the movies or, or you're at the movies, describe what you see or something like that. And it, people use it, they give themselves a timer, they just write whatever, and it kind of gets them into that writing frame of mind. So that then when they go into their draft, they've got something, um, they've kind of in the groove already. So that can be quite um quite useful if you struggle to get into writing um and I've also had the advice as well that you know if you don't want to write just tell yourself again you're going to write for five minutes just sit down open your laptop and put a timer on and nine times out of ten when the timer goes at five minutes you'll be like oh no no I want to keep on writing so um that can be really powerful as well yeah that's how I write yeah. 8,000 words in a day <laughs> I get myself in like a little cocoon I get myself a glass of wine blanket put some music on and I'm like okay, I'm going to be here for the next five hours 
definitely. And actually, some of the best writing I've ever I've ever done mm-hmm. has been with that glass of wine because yeah. it just helps the words flow, and you just get into a groove yeah. and you, you physically definitely. can't just, stop. It's great. It, it's not even about inhibitions. I suppose it is about inhibitions in the sense that it gets you into that flow and you stop second guessing yourself a little bit. I think just that little bit of um, a little bit of wine just to make you think, oh yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, that whole kind of like right as if no one's looking over your shoulder. It's that kind of feeling of just, you know, you, you don't, your, little, your perfectionist side is almost a bit more subdued and it's like your creative side can come to the surface. Um, so yeah, I completely agree. A glass of wine while I'm writing. That's why NaNoWriMo is usually a very... <laughs> I usually need a detox and as soon as NaNoWriMo comes it's then Christmas so like January is always a very needed detox. <laughs> Time to have a detox because it's just such an anti-climax after the entire Christmas season. I know exactly. <laughs> Two months of um, of all the good things. <laughs> um, so also you you've obviously an indie author and you self-published your connection series. What's been the best thing about self-publishing and, and what have you found the hardest thing? So the best thing is it's been a few, a few best things to be honest. Um, the whole process of um, you know, the cover design. You know, getting that through in the email, um, you know, seeing that for the first time was amazing, you know, especially because you've had this idea in your head for however many years and to see it in its whole flesh form was just incredible. And I really enjoyed that creative control, you know, even to the sense that you can um, create your own deadlines, you know, you're not waiting for anybody except yourself which is something I've really enjoyed because I'm very impatient. So, um, so yeah, I really enjoyed that. But also, honestly, joining the writer community on Instagram has been incredible. Um, I never expected to um, the community to be what it is when I first joined. So it's been a really, a one, firstly, a wonderful surprise, but also, you know, such an awesome, unlimited amount of inspiration and motivation, which is incredible. Um, and I've loved every bit of that. Um, in terms of what's been the most difficult, um, probably time balancing, not necessarily writing via day job, but um, more so the background stuff. And I've spoken about this quite recently, um, all of the advertising sort of keywords research, the marketing optimization, you know, all that behind the scenes work is quite difficult, not necessarily because it's not enjoyable because I do enjoy it, but just that it eats up time very, very quickly. So it's a bit more of a balancing act, you know, trying to not only balance writing with work, but all the behind the scenes stuff with work, with writing. And that's something which I'm still trying to figure out, to be honest, but we're getting there. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot writing, uh, not it's a lot writing a book, but then it's a lot publishing the book, the formatting, the cover. um, And then, you know, keeping that momentum with the marketing um especially in you know you keep on going and trying to get those like first place spots and stuff it, it never really ends um and for a lot of people they the big build-up is the launch date but actually the launch date is then just the beginning of your book being found and your book getting out there so um I think you know self-publishing has got so many rewards but it's it's obviously a lot of work and a lot of input from from the author themselves um but it's quite it's quite nice that kind of entrepreneurial sense as well that I think they call it author author entrepreneurs um which is quite cool I, I know that um 
I'm really looking forward to that part. I think especially when you when you like the marketing side as well. It's just as you say, finding that balance. Because that's the thing. It's it is really enjoyable and it's really really interesting. And it is true that after the launch day, it never really ends because there's always so much things, so much so many new things you can try. You know, there's always one more person you can contact for a review for a review there's always this one more deal one more um special offer you know that sort of thing it never ends which is good because it means there's so many opportunities to get your book out there you know i think when i first um published i was under the impression that really everything had to happen within launch week otherwise your book either succeeded or it failed you know it all rested on that one week Whereas actually that's not necessarily the case. It carries on afterwards. Yes, the launch week is super important, but it's not the be all and end all, you know? It's everything following that. It's maintaining that momentum. And it is really fun, you know, and it's in, because I'm a scientist, it's it's been really interesting for me to see what works, what doesn't, you know, can I tweak this a little bit? What are the results, you know? Let's create a whole marketing report from all these keywords I've tried on Amazon, you know, that sort of thing. I really enjoyed that. It, it is just, it's a lot of time. And I think you made a really good point there about it. the success of your book doesn't live or, buy, live or die by the, by the launch week. I think that's really, really important. I actually saw a post about that the other day. Launch week is so important, but, you know, if, you're, if your book doesn't achieve loads of sales on the first week the first month it, that doesn't mean the book is a failure at all that just means that there's you know as, as with every book there's just more work to be done to to get it into people's hands and, and to get it out there there's so many authors that their success only comes after a few years of having a few books out there you know a lot of um people talking about them reading them posting about them and it's just that that slow build-up of people finding out about you trying your books and then becoming you know like long-term readers. So um, I think anyone who is about to launch or has launched recently, don't worry too much um, if that that didn't go well, because you have a long, long journey ahead of you with, with, with your books. Absolutely. And I've heard quite a lot. I think it was Kat who was saying that the writing process is very much like a marathon. You know, you have to keep at it. It's not all going to happen in a fortnight. You know, it's a long process. But that's also the case with you know, after your book is written, you know, after it's been published, it's still the marathon, you know, it still takes building that momentum, you know, the more people read it, the more, more people are going to read it, you know, because it's slowly getting out there. So it is very much a marathon in the whole process, you know, completely agree. Definitely. I think it's a really good way of looking at it. Um, so last question, uh, where can our listeners find you and your book? So currently I am only on Instagram and Goodreads, although I am in the process of doing a website. This is one of these things as well, which, you know, all the behind the scenes work, which I'm struggling balancing with. A website is one of them. It is coming. Um, same with a newsletter. It is coming, but I'm currently working on it. And all of my books are on Amazon as well. Oh, and also Kindle Unlimited. Amazing. I'm going to start recording now. Hi, thank you so much again for joining us for this week's episode. If you'd like to get involved with the writer community, you can find us on Instagram at the underscore writer underscore community or online at our website at www.thewritercommunity.com. Thanks again for joining us and I hope you'll join us next week.